Thanks for tuning in to the Athletic Scholarship Corporation Radio Network. Heard worldwide on www.athleticscholarshipcorp.com. Your source for college recruiting help, training advice, motivation, and more from pro athletes, coaches, celebrities, and entrepreneurs worldwide. Hi, everybody. AJ Hodell, CEO and founder of the Athletic Scholarship Corporation, found on the web at www.athleticscholarshipcorp.com and the ASE Sports Radio Network. Today I've got a really special guest, Mark Sutherland from New Zealand. He's a coach of Olympic winning athletes and also a a business coach, life coach. We'll kind of go into details. Uh, Mark, if you could introduce yourself and how people can get a hold of you, uh, that would be great to start that off. Sure. So um, I live in Cambridge, New Zealand, and um, Cambridge is pretty much like the Olympic training center for for our country, and we're only a small country with four and a half, five million people. And um, yeah, about 60 percent of the Olympic medals that we win come out of this little town where I live in. There's only about 30, uh, twenty thousand people who live here. And um, so I, I'm a sports coach. Um, I've coached uh, two guys, Ian Ferguson and Paul McDonald, who are the most medaled New Zealanders when it comes to the Olympic Games. Um, coached nine world champions, either as a strength and conditioning coach, a coach, or um, mental skills coach. So you know, I've had a lot of great success. And then in the business world, I teach business people how to use the same processes that great athletes do to be for, for them to be very um, successful in, in the business world as well. And so, um, yeah, it's a, it's a great life. It's a great country to live in. And, um, and I do have uh, clients all around the world. So the way people get me is through my website, which is motivationtriggers.com. And my sports uh, website is thegoldmedalzone.co.nz or .com. And so um, it's been a great life, and I'm still enjoying it. Yeah, and I did see that, you know, there's a lot of people in today's commerce um, everybody can can open up shop and and be called a self-proclaimed guru, but you legitimately have some very big clients in which we always like to coin the Fortune 500 type um, audience. So that's great to see. Um, congratulations on that, obviously. Now, um, looking at one of the statements I read in some research and, and background on you, you had a vision at a young age, probably at that age where people go, okay, yeah, right, okay, Mark, whatever you say. Um, when you were young, was it about 11 or so that you recognized your vision that you wanted to coach and train athletes? Yeah, not so much that. It was about, when I was 11, I said to my mother, my, my father and my father, that I'd watched the, um, the rowing, New Zealand rowing eight on the, at the Olympic Games in Munich. We, you know, you didn't get the, the, um, the TV that you get now with, you know, when the Olympics happen in Rio, we're going to have about 10 channels that we can watch. But back then, 1972, I watched this race, and the commentator was just spectacular, and I was so excited about it because I love sport. So I told my parents, I'm going to go to the Olympic Games, and that's what I'm going to do. And my mother said to me, she said, well, you just go for it. And so I ended up going not as an athlete. I was a soccer player, and um, I was pretty good at it. And then I got knocked out three games in a row, so I sort of put that away and started the coaching thing, and, and it, it all started 
when I saw that one race and um, it, it just blew me apart and I was like, right, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to the Olympic Games and I'm going to coach athletes and I'm going to be an athlete and, and that's kind of how it all came about. So I went to um, the University of Otago with one purpose in mind, was to study physical education so I could coach people. And there was a hundred people that were on the intake for that particular year, and um, we all had to stand up and tell us tell people what what we why we were there, what was our goal. And I stood up, and I was 18 years old, and I stood up and I said, "Well, I'm here because I want to be the greatest coach in the world." And immediately everybody was looking at me, going, "Who's this idiot?" You know. <laughs> and I didn't give a shit. I just wanted to make sure that you know I was driven and I wanted to do that. And my sisters remind me that. From that moment on, for about the next 10 years, I was in a funnel. I had no idea what was going on in the family. I was just chasing my dream. And, uh, and being so young, and, and some <coughs> of our listeners are obviously high school-aged athletes um, or, or younger, ranging from 11, 12 years old to you know 20, early 20s. How do you, I guess, best verbalize the, the blueprint or the map mentally that you put forth at such a young age to say, this is what I'm going to do and stay the course? even though there's so many people that really, aside from your family, that really probably aren't lobbying, lobbying in your corner too strong. I mean, how do you, how do you mentally prepare for that, so, such a young age, that adversity? Well, I think, you know, there's, there's a lot of famous people who, who had ideas um, that they wanted to do certain things when they were young and, you know, musicians and, and um, scientists and things. You know, they get hooked into something and they just it becomes a passion. You just love it. For me, I I really didn't care what other people thought if it was a great idea or not a great idea. I mean, some people took the, took the mickey out of me because they thought, you know, you'll never do that, you'll never do that. And I just, it never even occurred to me that I couldn't do it. And my parents were like, if you want to go for that, you go for it. And don't let anybody put you off, you know. And I, I talk to our young athletes now and I say, what's your goal? And I want to be an Olympic gold medalist. Good man. That's that's what you want to do. Good girl. That's what you want to do. Then you got to do for that. And then I say to the parents, because I, I do, do work with parents, and I say to the parents, encourage this. You never know. The greatest athletes come from somewhere, and it could be your daughter. It could be your son. And I teach a lot of people this one simple rule. If you have a goal, if you have a determination to achieve something, and people are taking, you know, they're, they're making light of it and thinking, oh, that's nice and everything else. Whatever they think of you is their business. It's not your business about what they think about you. It's their business. So you just focus on your goal and you go for it rather than thinking, oh, so many people think I'm a bit of a dick. That's, a, that's irrelevant. Whatever they think of you is their, their, their issue, not yours. So just don't, don't get in that space. And just if you want to do it, do it. And, you know, I've told that to lots of kids and a lot of them have gone on to become really good athletes. And, and it's just as simple as that. How much percentage out of 100% do you think success is mental? And it could be athletic success, business success. How much of it do you think is mental? Well, I think it starts 100% because it all starts with a thought. And then people have to figure out how they're going to do it and all that sort of stuff. And then... Once you've got that 100% idea in your brain that this is what I'm definitely going to do, um, then you start doing the work to get there, and that's not easy. And so you go through all those tri tribulations and the, you know, terrible days and 
thing, is this ever going to come to fruition? Is it going to happen? Is it going to happen? It's all about self-talk. It's about the way you look at the world. And, and all of that comes down to, you know, the front of your skull, the brain, your thinking area. And I think it's 100% all the time because you're thinking about it all the time. You're looking for your angle. You're looking for the connections. That's certainly what I was doing. When I made that determination, it was like, okay, what do I have to do? So I started watching as many TV shows that had sport in them before we got um, tapes that we could use. And then it was CDs, and then it was down to the video shop. And I would go in there, and they'd say, no, Mark, we haven't got any more videos in yet. They're coming. They'll be back here next week, you know, and this kind of stuff. And so I was always thinking, how could I do it? So, And that thinking leads to actions. And then when the actions start happening is, is when you start living the dream by doing the things that you pick up from those who have gone before you and you're, you're mimicking them and, and literally listening to the way they talk. I remember one of the first biggest influences on me was Rocky, the very first movie of Rocky, when he was running um, along the dock. And so I was 16 years old and I was, a, I was a runner, I was a 400 metre sprinter. And I used to go out and I used to run like Rocky because that's how I wanted to run because it was so amazing. and this. This is one of my favourite movies. People think, like, you can't be serious. Yeah, you can. It's a brilliant movie. And it was just about a guy who wanted to do it, and that's what I did. And I tell young people, go and watch Rocky. And if you like it, then train like he did. Um, Chariots of Fire. That was a, a life-changer for me as well. Just, you know, Sam Musabini, who was the coach of this, this guy who was just ruined to win the 100-metre race. And so movies and, and those sorts of things are where I got my sort of inspiration from. And it made me think differently all the time. So I think it's 100% in the, in the brain. And then you start bringing in all the physical and, and then you become physical 100% and, and kind of, you know, it's just one of those things. It's just you become who you need to become. Well, as you know, uh, sports psychology, that's what I studied in school, hit the scene in the 90s really hard about and I'm and they've done stuff before that I'm not saying that was the pioneering you know timestamp but I remember as an athlete in high school and college laying there and envisioning a play each play through each process and step and forcing yourself to have a positive outcome and it was amazing how in the beginning when we started doing it we were all kind of like oh this is snake oil we're laughing and snickering about it and our coach was serious and it turns out that your mind when you saw that play so many times, you knew what to do. It, yeah. was, it was amazing. And I think today's youth and, and a lot of athletes are worried about the tangible so much that they overlook the, the muscle and mind memory and, and being there and understanding the, you know, the IQ of sports. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's like I, I did a, a, a two-hour um, workshop last night at a sports place here in, locally. And, and I said to people that you have to practice, 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 practice everything you can because we think about it in the front of our brain, but in the back of our brain where our motor control comes from in the hind brain, you've got to train that so it's automatic. And, and that's what the coaches are working towards, right? They want you to be able to do things automatically. So if that ball's coming, you're going to catch it, you're going to pass it straight away. You're going to do it just by automat automatic um Sensory, you know, sensory, everything that's sensory is going to go automatic and make sure that you can do that. And I think 
you, you mentioned sports psychology, which is always interesting. Um, you know, I've got nine world champions that I've coached and trained and what have you, and now I'm really focusing on the mental skills area of, of sport. But the, the weird thing is that if I was going to work in one of our high-performance programs in New Zealand here, um, I wouldn't get a job because I don't have a degree in psychology. I've got 30 years of experience coaching some of our greatest athletes, and I couldn't get a gig in that area because I don't have a psychology degree. Mm-hmm. So I, st- I got a degree in uh, physical education. And yet a 23-year-old graduate in sports psychology can get a job with no experience. And I think athletes deserve to get the knowledge and the insights from highly experienced coaches and athletes. I, I agree. Yeah. I agree 100%. Yeah, it's kind of, it's, it's a bit of a weird situation to be honest, but, you know, athletes seek me out because they know of my, my successes and, and how I deal with athletes. And, <clears throat> and the, and the, you know, just the, the, the down to earth, real world, no nonsense, straight shooting type of, of mental skills that they need that get them to, to go where they go rather than the academic approach. And I think there's a, slowly but surely, there's a real swing to that. Let's get practical, let's get real rather than let's look at the science. And um, when you get in that space, then magic things start to happen. And that actually leads me into my next uh, comment. You look at training, and, and it's a multi-billion dollar business, training equipment, supplements, uh, apparel, all this uh glitter and glitz, do you think it's more important, you know, going through 30 years of experience in training Olympic high-end athletes, do you think it's more important to work on your core fundamental training and application for your sport, or do you think it's great to have parachutes and rubber bands and and all the high-end equipment? Well, I, look, I love simplicity, right? Mm -hmm. And what I see now is this Try, um, this real strong chase for technology to help the athlete become who they are. So, and I think that's getting in the way of of natural ability in terms of, of athletes. You know, true story, I was called in to work with our short track ice racing team before the 1994 Lillehammer Olympics because they were just crashing and burning. And my best friend, who's a sports psychologist, he, he called me up and said, you've got to come and help this team out. They were training on heart rate monitors, and that's all they were doing. They had a sports scientist who was training them, and they were going backwards as fast as anything could. And so they called, I got called in by High Performance New Zealand, and they said, can you come and sort these guys out? So we got together, and Craig pulled the doors down, and did, nobody could get in and nobody could get out, and we started to do things in a more natural way. So the first thing I do is I got a bucket and I said, give me all your heart rate monitors. I want them off your chest now. So we dumped them all into it and I sealed it and I put duct tape over it and I made it impossible for those guys to get into that, those heart rate monitors. We sat the scientist and started training on feel because these guys were accomplished athletes, you know. They were fourth in the previous Winter Olympics. And here they were going backwards faster than anything. And so we just got them in touch with their natural ability 
and gave them some credence for their insight and their knowledge over years of training to say, what's the best way for you guys to train? And they came up with some really cool ideas. No technology, nothing else other than this is what has worked for us in the, for us in the past and this is what we believe. And that was taken away from us because the coach was a scientist and said, no, you don't do that, you do this, you do that. And so we got it back up. And four months later, they were the world champions and world record holders in the 5,000 meter relay. And it was just, you don't need the technology. You've got to trust the tissue that you've got there and the sinew and, and get in that space and go hard. And obviously you've trained, is it nine different types of athlete sports or how many different sports did you apply that? Um, nine, nine world champions out of eight sports. So, and then about, I don't know what it is, getting up to 40 national champions, I think. So I apply that rule to everybody. You know, hardly, that, I, I get asked quite often what technology you use. And I used to say, well, I, step, I stop watch, <laughs> a pen, and a book, and then a, a video camera, and that's all I use. I, obviously, I obviously it works because if you're applying it to eight different, you know, if you were a specialist, you would be you would be saying, hey, I train some of the best sprinters in the world, and if then they say, go train this basketball player, you'd go, I, I can't do it. So obviously the simplicity yeah. works. I agree with that method. Sorry to interrupt you on that. Yeah, yeah, that, that... Look, all the athletes that I've worked with, I just start with raw and see what they like, and then we tidy things up, you know. I I back myself on anatomy, physiology, and um, and insights of, of learning over 30 years right now. And so I, I do things that people go, well, what's that all about? And they kind of like, where does that come from? Where did you learn that? Da, da, da. I learned that on the, in the, the life. And the, I've got a degree, a PhD in cold face coaching that's it you know <laughs> my degree comes from the cold face of sport and i learned from everybody i remember when i was a kid you know i used to get those i said earlier on you know i get those tapes out and i'd watch british soccer and i'd watch palais and i'd watch um, muhammad ali and i'd watch all these great great i could i just soaked it up every video i could find i just soaked it up and i studied them and i watched them and and watch the moves and how they ran and how they jumped and everything else. And I, I was doing that before I went to university. And then when I went to university, it was like, wow, anatomy, this is fantastic. And then physiology. And and so to, to take something that's that's quite strong inside me, I turned it into one simple thing. I based, and I still do base all my coaching on one thing, Newton's third law of physics. For every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. In other words, you're going to get back what you put in. And I've have taught coaches how to do that, and I've taught athletes how to do that. Every time you do something, there has to be an opposite reaction. So let's make sure we're doing the right stuff. And so in my whole career, for the last 20 years at least, <clears throat> 25 years, has been based on that one law of physics. Now, it's funny you talk about studying film um, I'm in a career path now the last 13 years of being coined an expert at evaluation, and where it all stems from is evaluation of film. And I started also when I was in high school before I went to university or college, and I started watching tape down to where I knew what the opponent was doing and what their habits were. They actually positioned their fingers different. 
when they were going right or left. And it just hit me like a ton of bricks one day at 16 years old that, wow, I, if I really watched the film and watched the small details, I have an unfair advantage against my point, opponent. And I started teaching my teammates on how to do that. So I think that's mental prep and, and the film study is crucial. You look at some of the top elite athletes, they will tell you, I study, I study, I study. And, and kids just don't get that today. No, they don't. They don't. They, they don't have the. Um, what do you call it? They don't have the focus for that. They, the technology right now is it flips around all over the place, and they get distracted by a whole range of other things going on. Games on their computers and games on their cell phones and all that sort of stuff. It's kind of yeah. They don't get taught to be intuitive. They don't get taught to listen to the gut more than anything else. You know, um, they everything is laid out for them and and. You know, even the training sessions, the, the coaches don't say, what do you want to do today in training, guys? And they don't give them a chance to figure out what they might want to do. What do you think you need to improve right now? And I'm always doing that with the athletes that I work with. So tell me what your goal is today. What is your determination? So I, I, I pretty much eliminate the word goal from everything I do. And I, I, I set determinations with my athletes. So they don't have a goal, they have a determination. Because when you think about it, determination is a powerful word. You know, it's going in one direction and figuring stuff out and being determined to achieve something. So I say to them, what, and, and when I get these athletes that I haven't worked with before, it's like, tell me what one of your weaknesses is that we want to bring up and tell me what one of your strengths is. And they sit there with their mouth open going, oh, no, I don't know. We just do whatever the coach tells us. Well, Does we the coach ask you questions? No, no, he just tells us what we have to do. And so that part, that inquisitive part, that inquiry, is missing from modern coaching, and I think it's a, it's a shame, really. Yeah, and it's really tough when we consult or interview a student athlete. One of the stages of in, in our industry and in preparation of being recruited, and it's the same in the workforce. When you go to interview, you have to be able to verbally communicate. You have to be able to address questions with confidence and in a fluid manner. And you'll ask nine out of ten kids, "What's your strengths?" And they'll give them to you, and then you say, "What do you need to work on?" And you'd be surprised how many of me go, uh, um, uh, and they don't know. And you go, yeah. oh, they're not really even reaching their potential then. Because if you knew your weaknesses, you'd hear a lot of elite athletes say, I'm not even where I'm supposed to be. I'm not that good at much, but here's a list of everything I'm working on. So yeah. it's a mindset, 100%. Yeah, it's absolutely a mindset. And it's getting those, those young people and, and even top-level athletes have to make the changes from time to time. But they have to trust themselves to do that, and, and you have to coach them on how to trust themselves. How to be confident, and so when you, and then how to be focused as well. You know, quite often they're just not able to focus because, especially younger ones like teenagers, they're, they're so distracted by technology and, and movies and games and everything else that they they don't stop and go, hang on, what is it that I need to really focus on? And that's where the parents come in, right? So the parents are always talking about, you know, my son's really good because he wins everything. Well, that's great, but that's gonna at some point he's not gonna win, or she's right. not gonna win. Right? Are you prepared for that? Because the bottom line is they're getting and they're getting everything laid out for them. So I'm working with a sailor at the moment, and he was a junior world champion. His parents have got shitloads of money, and I've, since I've been working with him, he has to earn the things that he needs. If he needs a new sail, he has to put a proposal together to get a new sail. If he um, if he, if he needs to do something uh, in terms of training that he needs a trainer to do something to help him, then he has to put a proposal forward for that. 
so we're teaching him to be like a professional person who has to put up a case to say this is what I want to do and this is how I want to do it and then we we critically look at that and then we challenge him with that so he's not just sitting there getting his millionaire mum and dad to give him stuff he actually has to make it work and he has to justify that and he has to have create accountabilities and expectations and all that sort of stuff he is a great young athlete, that guy. He's, got, he's a good thinker because we've taught him to be a good thinker since he was 13. He's now 18. And he will tell us what he needs to work on with a great deal of clarity because he's always been coached that way to make decisions and to figure stuff out and then to propose that. And he's very, very intelligent because of that process. And coincidentally, coincidentally, he kicks everybody's butt <laughs> because everybody, all the, you know, it's a rich sport. You've got to have a lot of money to be a sailor. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these kids, their parents are just giving them everything and telling them, yeah, sure, you can have that, son, and everything else. So when everything turns to crap and they got, they're not got any control, they just fall over. And, and this young guy just carries on sailing, and it's like, wow, no wonder he, won- he wins because he's been trained the whole way through on how to be in control of his life and how to be in control of his sport. Control their life. That's a that's a great point. That means in who you're dating or not dating, and what you're doing with your free time. I mean, it's uh, you're right about the distractions. It's just the the focus is. It's got to be real tough for coaches today to find that athlete that you know being coachable is probably one of the the biggest traits and assets you could have. Being coachable. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're looking for that. If if an athlete's not coachable, I'm not really that interested. You know, but the if they're 17 and they think they should, oh, and they're really great, and, yeah, I've got this COVID coach, I don't really need this, I don't even know why I'm here. Well, hey, dude, here's the door. See ya. You know, you're not yeah. coachable, so until you're, until you're ready to be coachable. And I, I have a strict rule, you know. My name is not Mark Sutherland. My name is not Mr. Sutherland. My name is Coach. Full stop. You call me Coach, you call me anything else, you can bugger off. I don't want to talk to you. Because I'm not your friend. I'm not going to be your best mate. I'm going to be your coach. I'm going to help you, and I'm going to do the best work I can possibly do to get you to where you want to go to. So I'm the coach. I'm not your best mate. I'm here to help you. Do you want to be a part of this program? Sure, coach. (laughs) And it works. It's it's setting that line. And I know America, you know, I love the way Americans look at sport, you know. Everybody calls the coach to coach, and that's exactly what they do in this country, in New Zealand. One of the issues we have is they try and be their mates with their, with their athletes. They don't need me to be their mate. They need me to be on game, to get them on game. Now, one of your um, notable things in transition from sports and coaching you know, business executives, um, you ran into a moment that you, you may say is one of your toughest moments. I'll, I'll ask you that in a minute, but... Running into that rut, we've all done it, I've done it, where you completely lose vision, focus, and you're questioning yourself at every turn, and you go, where did that guy go? And you've had that moment, correct? Yeah, I burned out big time. And about 12 years ago, <clears throat> I really burned out because I was doing too many things, and I was working way too many hours. And, yeah, I ended up, um, I was sitting in a, small cafe and getting breakfast, early morning breakfast um, down country before I did a, a speech to a bunch of about a thousand farmers and my hand started shaking and 
I dropped my knife and fork on the plate, and there was these about six of these old, really old ladies. They, they were obviously in their late seventies or in their eighties, and this one of these ladies, and she was just lovely, and she came over to me, and she had this like Mrs. Doubtfire, and she said, "Are you all right, dear?" And I said, "Yeah, I think I'm just going to be fine." And I got up and I went out and I got in the car, and I drove off. And I pulled over to the side of the road and I phoned my wife and I just started bawling my eyes out. And they're sitting in the middle of the road here going, what the hell's happening to me? And I got through it and I did the speech and I went home and I changed my life because it's never going to work when you're overdoing it, when you're overworking and everything else. So it took like two years of recovery and now I'm doing that with um, clients that I come across with identifying them what I found in, found in myself 12 years ago. And um, and the interesting thing is if we line it up with sport as well, my major paper at university was uh, overtraining and how that affects an athlete. Mm-hmm. Overtraining in high-performance athletes and burnout in business people have the same symptoms, exactly the same symptoms. And so... To work in both of those areas is pretty easy right now because they have exactly the same psychological needs, physical needs, and practical needs of getting their life sorted out. So, yeah, been there, done that, and know exactly how to deal with it. So was that your toughest moment in, in your professional career as, a, as running a business? Um, that, was, that was the toughest personal mm-hmm. thing. Um, you know, I... I've been self-employed since 1989, so you're always looking for business. So, you know, we've had some tough years and we've had some great years where I've made bucket loads of money. I think overall, though, my second daughter, when she was born, spent three months um, in PICU, which is um, pediatric intensive care, at at the Children's Hospital in in Auckland in New Zealand. And when you, you, you sort of sit there every day wondering if she's going to be alive or dead. Mm. There's nothing that can, can compete with that when it comes to being, you know, sad about something. It's like, this is my baby and she's going to come home. And now she's two years, two years after that, um, she was fine. And she's a 21 year old. She's a great little athlete. She's a designer. She's a fantastic kid. But I would say those two years were probably the most difficult years in my entire life over everything. It was nothing because you're, you're waking up every morning hoping that she's breathing. And so when you get right down to it, sport didn't matter, music didn't matter because I, I write music as well and, and what have you. Um, nothing mattered. Just keeping her alive was all that matters. And that's when you get perspective. Sport, I don't give a shit about sport. My kid has got to wake up tomorrow morning. Mm-hmm. And that, there's a drive that comes from that and it, there's a power that comes from that. And it's kind of like, when she's fine, you have this energy that is just the most amazing amount of energy and just go hard and do everything because you've done the hardest thing in your entire life. What about dealing with an athlete? You know, how, What do you say to a guy or girl that's just really putting the work in and, and is doing all the things right, but it's just not the – not everything's lined up. Not all the pieces are working. How do you deal with that mentally? Well, mentally there's going to be a block somewhere. If they're training really hard but they're not breaking through, it's because – probably uh, a lack of self-belief, a lack of confidence to do it. They're holding back. And that's where 
that's what I came up with my thing, motivation triggers. So what I do with an athlete like that is say, right, I, I need to burrow down inside to your core. Why do you do this? And I just keep asking questions. So why is it important to you to do this? And they'll give me an answer. Okay, so where did that come from? And then you just keep asking these questions and eventually they give it up. It, there's a blockage somewhere and they always give it up. You know, I remember one young athlete and she said, well, and we, we, I, I asked her about 10 questions before she gave up what, what the issue was. And she said, my parents never validate me. Hmm. I said, well, expect, ex, tell me about that. Well, they never praised me for that or anything else. So it wasn't, she was a really good athlete. She was really talented. She could do what she needed to do, but she, she just wasn't breaking through to where she should have been. And when you get into the motivation trigger, her motivation trigger was shut down because the one thing that she wanted was validation from her parents that she was doing a good thing and she never got it. And so I said, right, well, I'm going to validate you. You're a, trade, trade, a, a hard trainer. You're very, very good. But you need to talk to your parents and tell them it's your passion, and et cetera, et cetera. So she did, and slowly but surely, they came on board, and then she broke through. So there's a motivation trigger that you have to fire up when athletes aren't making it. Um, one athlete we, I had, um, she was a kayaker, and she was an American citizen and a New Zealand citizen, so she went to America to try and make the US team, and she spent three years working hard with the US kayakers, and um, I get this phone call at 3 o'clock in the morning in New Zealand time. And she's calling me and she's saying, Coach, how do I know I've done enough? And I said, when you look into your heart, do you believe you've done enough? She said, you know, I do. But I don't know. But should I carry on? What should I do? And I said, listen to your intuition right now. You're one of the hardest trainers I've ever had in my entire life. You're one of the most dedicated people I've ever met when it comes to training. You've given it three and a half years and you haven't managed to get through the two-minute mark. So what is your gut telling you? And at that moment, she said, you've always believed in me to make the right decision, so I'm coming home. So she came home and she became the national coach. And she, I, contact, I talked to her maybe four months ago and I haven't seen her for probably 10 years. And she said, she just came across me on LinkedIn and she called me up and she said, how we had a long chat. And she said, you know what, you told me what you talked to me about when I, whether I should come home or stay. And she said, I made that decision to come home and I've never, ever, ever regretted it since it was the best move I ever made. And that's, that's part of the process of, you know, getting an athlete to figure shit out. You know, it's something heavy like that. They've got to do it and they've got to be able to do it and feel comfortable about it. In closing, um, what is your best advice to, to the parents listening in dealing with a young athlete? When do you really think they should start the training and even the mental process of preparation? Is there an age? Because I have my answer, but I'm sure you have yours in regards to when do you start yeah. this. Well, the first thing I tell parents is this. Um, your young athlete, you need to treat your young athlete the same as you treat the other members of the family. So if you've got a talented kid, he doesn't get any more favours or anything else other than maybe you have to train, take him to training or take him to the pool and everything else, right? 
But keep it as normal as possible at home. That's the first thing. The second thing is, the first thing that comes out of your mouth when you see your son or daughter who's come out of a competition is ask them, did you guys have fun? Did you enjoy yourself today? Rather than, did you win? Did you get a fast time? I'm not interested in that. Yes, that's, that's number four down the ring. So, and then, you know, my, I learned this from my dad. Whenever I came home from a meet, um, he would give me a hug. I'd come off a bus, he'd give me a, a hug, you know, a bloke hug, and then he'd give me a kiss on the cheek. For his, his entire life, he always gave me a kiss on the cheek when he, when he met with me. And he said, did you have fun, boy? Did you have fun? I said, a great deal of fun, Dad. Did you play well? Yeah, I played really well. Did you get a goal? Yeah, I got a goal. Did you guys win? And it was always the last question he ever asked me, did you guys win? He was, in, he was you got to be interested in the individual and that kid rather than the result that they get. And, the, and you don't start pushing them. You start giving them opportunities to go and try things and let, leave it up to the coaches to work with these things. Interfering parents are the biggest pain in the butt mm-hmm. there is. So I got asked that question last night. When is the best time to push a kid up when they want to? That's my answer, when they want to. And you ask them a few questions and then they will tell you, no, I'm not ready, or yes, I am ready to go up to the next level. And that's a, that's a simplicity that I use. Are you, do you think you're ready to go up to the next step now? I'm not sure, coach. I'm just not sure. I still want to work on this and on that because I train them to think think properly. And that's how I do it with young athletes. You know, high school athletes, parents get really excited because their high school kid is 17 years old and he's a quarterback and he's playing really great and he's going to get a scholarship and everything else and blah, blah, blah. And it all comes down to that. And it's like, hang on, what about this young man? Mm-hmm. What does he want? What is he thinking? Is he just mimicking what his parents want for him? It's like getting that motivation trigger so you can get into that space with them so they can make a really clear decision themselves and then develop that with the coach or with their mentor or whoever that might be. And that's one of our main questions is what level do you see yourself playing at and why is that? And we want to hear that from the kid, not yeah. the parent, because the parent has their own, I want to say agenda, but they always want the best, so they're always going to say the best. And you do yep. get some that are realistic. And ironically, the ones that are realistic are the ones that are investing resources, time, emotion into training and preparation. The ones that aren't doing anything have this cloud and the head in the clouds mentality. And it's it's so funny how it's very linear that the person that's investing tens of thousands of dollars over a four-year career, the high school career, to get ready for college they were still realistic. And then the one that, like I said, doesn't do anything, thinks it's just entitled and it's going to show up at their door, and they're sadly mistaken when it doesn't happen. And I'm sure that applies in business as you coach people. Oh, absolutely, you know. Look, I, I'm, I'm very straight up, you know. Olympic gold medals and profits in business are the same thing. They're a byproduct of a process of doing the right stuff to get where you need to go, you know. It's, it's that simple. And with athletes, you know, tell me, this is what, this is the question I ask them. I say, so what's your goal? And they will say, uh, I want to be a professional rugby player because rugby is the number one sport in New Zealand, right? So mm-hmm. I want to be a professional rugby player. Great. Tell me what's the second to last thing that happens before you become a great rugby player? And what's the, the step before that and the step before that and the step before that? And I have people who want to be Olympic champions. Okay, so what's the second to last thing that happens before you get your medal put around your neck? And they say, 
Oh, you win the race. I'm like, no, that's about number 17th on the ring. So the second to last thing that happens before you get your medal is you're introduced to the, to the stadium, to the people in it. And then before that, you're getting, um, you're coming out into the, into the area where you're going to step up on the dais and get your medal. And before that, you've got to get in your number one. You're getting an etiquette lesson. And then you're getting, your, getting into your number ones. And then you had to pee in the jar because you had to do a drug test. And boom, boom, boom. You get back to about number 14 or 15 or 16, and that's when you win the race. And so I do that. I call it Gold Mountains. And so we go all the way back to today. Now, what do you have to do today? I have to put an extra two kilos on my bench press. Okay, let's focus on that right now. So we go right forward and then come all the way back and work our way back to where we need to be. And when you do that with them, they've got a plan. They know where they're going. And they sit down with the parents and show them that, and they've got a plan. They know where they're going. And so it takes the pressure off having to perform every single day. We've got a plan. And that's how it's going to work. Again, I, Mark, I appreciate your time greatly. One more time, let's uh, let the listeners know how to get a hold of you. So if you're a parent, you own a business, and you need help, you need someone to talk to, and great advice in today's show. Mark, one more time, how they, uh, folks can get a hold of you. Okay, so if if you want me to to, to work with you in terms of um, helping you with business and to be really successful in business, because I'm really good at that, very, very good at that, then it's you go to motivationtriggers.com, motivationtriggers.com. And then for sport, you go to the gold medals, thegoldmedalzone.com, and that's my website for sport and um, training and what have you. So you go to those two places, and then you can hit the connection button in there and, and send me emails and send me um, information, and I can get back to you. Um, I have people I work with all around the world by Skype, so Skype's easy peasy. And if you're a Kiwi, then we can meet. <laughs> Kiwi. Yeah. Co Coach Sutherland, greatly appreciate your time, and, uh, again, great information, and I'm sure we'll connect again. Yeah, thanks, AJ. Appreciate right. it. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to the Athletic Scholarship Corporation Radio Network. Heard worldwide on www.athleticscholarshipcorp.com. Be sure to tune in next week for more college recruiting help, training advice, motivation, and more from pro athletes, coaches, celebrities, and entrepreneurs worldwide.